amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome everybody. It is Monday, August 24th, 2020. And guess what? It's birthday day for me. So I'm getting to do a live podcast on my birthday. Yeah, what number it is? Well, it's the big seven zero, 70 years old. I don't feel like it. <laughs> Someone suggests I don't act like it either. So glad to have you joining me on my birthday podcast. Now, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. Of course, it is for you, mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. And uh, be sure to tell others about this. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Today on the Hot topic segment, again, the first half of the podcast is talking about what's going on, high-level stuff that we get to get into, and then we get into the Hot Topics segment. So we got Steve Hope joining us. Steve is Vice President, General Manager, Mortgage and Commercial Products for Finance. We're going to be talking about some of the strategies that they have, what they're seeing on lead generation, some of the things going on with banks. Again, they serve a large number of banks and credit unions. We're going to get some perspective. So stay tuned all the way to the second half of the podcast, if you're listening live or if you're listening on a download basis, it'll be the following podcast. We're so thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Go check out industrysyndicate.com as well as Mortgage Media. We're so grateful to have you listening by being all of these channels. One of the things we talk about is boosting mortgage efficiencies to meet the ever-growing borrower demand. That's going to be happening September 1st. And Finastra is putting this webinar on. So if you want to learn more about it, go to finastra.com. Moving Mortgage. And it's to learn about how Pedastra is doing some heavy lifting for the mortgage industry. And I'll be doing a presentation about efficiencies. We have a good number of people signed up already. So be sure to head out to finastra.com forward slash moving mortgage. Encourage you to sign up. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our other sponsors. Finastra, again, is our key guest. So they're one of our sponsors. Thrilled to have Steve Hoke joining us a little bit later on. Also, Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Man, if there was ever a time you need to be affiliated with a mortgage banking association, it's now, especially with some of the crazy stuff going on with Fannie and Freddie and the refinance. We got to have her voices heard. You could do that through the Mortgage Action Alliance app. So go to your favorite store, downloading the Mortgage Action Alliance MBA app, and then allows us on a mobile basis to be able to respond to various initiatives the MBA is doing on the Hill. So it's good. But yes, Elliot Lewis just wished me a happy birthday. So thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Appreciate that. Also, we want to talk about Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. We are members of both of these co-ops. It's thrilling to be a part of these. I like the MBA, which is serving the whole industry. Well, these two co-ops do a great job of serving to their members and their lender members 
members and their vendor members. We're proud to be vendor members of both of them. And then also there's the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Indicom. Talked to Linda Bomar the other day, Joey, her conversation. They are just doing such a great job providing a plethora of services out to the mortgage industry. Get a hold of Linda Bomar and be sure to talk to her or one of her salespeople about how Indicom can help you. Also, Incelerate had Josh Friend on just a few weeks ago. Great job of talking about how to engage borrowers better, as well as Ainsworth Advisors. Ability to, for you to have an advisory board. I tell you, it's getting more and more important, folks, that you have a board of advisors. I'm not talking about a consultant. I'm talking about genuinely a board, not a board of directors, board of advisors, as well as AI Assist. It's an artificial tool that helps you connect with borrowers, as well as celebrity home loans. Knowledge Cubes, one of the best LMSs out there in the marketplace, as well as Mobility RE and Modex. These two companies help you connect with the right loan officers and the right realtors. They do it through a slightly different way, but provide very similar services. And I recommend you check out both of these companies. You can go and do so along with Velma and VendorSurf and Vidyard. Do all this at LickinOnLending.com. Finally, a special thank you to Andy Allen, who are here with us. Alice will not be joining us today as well. Matt is here giving an update on all that's going on. We did not get an update from the MBA, so we're going to move right on over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and the Macro View of the Market. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Fox will go with Jay. Bucks go where Fed leads them. Forever true. The sinking U.S. dollar eventually leads to higher rates. The Fed continues to flood the world with dollars as its remedy to the economic consequences of lockdowns and to support massive new U.S. debt. Gold measures the fragility of the international monetary system led by the Fed and the dollar. So, with gold taking a breather and the dollar finding support from the Fed, mortgage rates remain stable. Within a 25 basis points range, the dollar says to Jay's Federal Reserve, Eu Kunte. Me with you. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. We got someone singing there, Matt Graham. Good to have you with us as you are here each week. And I love your segment. Matt Graham is the CEO of MBS Live and our newest contributor. So glad to have him here. And man, he is the founder of one of the coolest tools I have up and running all the time. Behind me, mbslive.net. What you got, Matt? Hey, Dave. So we had a pretty interesting week last week on a few levels, not because market movement was extreme in any sense of the word, but we saw a few things happen. Uh, One of them is very interesting interesting to the housing market. And the other one is sort of interesting to the bond market's reaction function, talking about the stuff that is causing movement and how that's been sort of in a constant state of flux after coronavirus. And I'll break them down real quick. So interesting stuff with respect to housing data. There was a ton of housing data last week, and many of you may have seen existing home sales come in at extraordinarily high levels. You look at the chart of existing home sales, and it's the highest it's been since 2007. And that is great news, right? The the line on the chart is as high as it's been since then. And yes, it is 
definitely great news, but there is also a catch and it's just something that's going to be good to keep in mind going forward. And it's something that has implications for other sectors of the housing market. And uh, here's what I'm talking about. When we see several economic reports, but the existing home sales is one of them that does an annualized pace of home sales. And they do that based on a seasonally adjusted monthly figure. And then they calculate what the annual pace would be if we maintained this month's relative pace for the entire year. And because of that, July was indeed the best July we've had since 2007. It means that the annualized pace is the best we've seen since then as well. The interesting thing to consider there is though the timing with coronavirus and lockdowns and the fact that housing activity was really stymied in the previous few months, especially April, May, and June, and not as much June, but April and May for sure. And so a lot of that activity was pulled forward into July. And that is why the annualized pace for the entire year was at a 13-year record. So just for the sake of mathematical facts, if we were to look at April through June 2019 versus 2020, there's about a 271,000 unit difference uh, between those timeframes in favor of 2019. So the point is we still have catching up to do to get back yeah. to where we were in 2019. Could we catch up? Yes, we could, but we don't know for sure that we will. And uh, we do know that inventory is a big problem for existing home sales. And that sort of dovetails into the next piece of uh, housing data from last week, the construction related stuff. So we saw housing starts spike in a big way and builder confidence at a survey high, an all-time high since they started measuring it. And that home building has had to pick up the inventory from existing home sales. So you can't really build a home fast enough these days and you can't build enough of them. It's no wonder home builders are pretty excited. And housing starts obviously measures the groundbreaking phase of new construction. And that provided a clue as to sort of what's going on with the motivations or the, I don't know, the extra benefit that we're seeing from interest rate. Because on the housing starts data, we saw it's not quite back to a, a record high or a 13-year high, but it is higher than it's been in a long time with the exception of late 2019. Then we go back and look at builder confidence and we also look at existing home sales and we can see, oh, hey, all of those also spiked to a decade-long high at the end of 2019. And uh, we're really left to conclude that 2019 was an awesome year of rebounding, both from an economic contraction in 2018 and of interest rates moving lower and lower and lower due to the trade war. So when we consider the benefit of low interest rates, uh, we really need those to stick around in order to drive that activity and in order to make everything make sense. It's an extra boost. And without that boost, there's a question as to 2020 can surpass 2019. And it's also good validation that keeping rates low is indeed helping something. As far as this week is concerned, we do have some more housing data. The first piece will be on Tuesday with home prices, both from Case Shiller and FHFA. Keep in mind and keep an eye on FHFA home prices because come November, they will be looking at the Q3 versus Q3 home price data. And it's actually the expanded seasonally adjusted home price data, which isn't really in the press 
press release they put out. So you kind of got to dig for it if you want to take a look at it. But it's not too terribly different from what we're seeing, which is around 5% annual gain. And as soon as that Q3 data is reported at the end of November, that's when we're going to get our annual bump to conforming loan limits. So just a little bit on there. Then on Wednesday, durable goods, typically a rather significant report, but it hasn't been recently. The stuff that's been more significant recently has been the most timely data, which we saw at the end of last week with the IHS market EMI data and the bond markets actually reacted to that one. So that let us know that we really want to be on the lookout for the most timely reports. And that makes Thursday's jobless claims one of this week's most interesting to watch. After years and years and years of not being interesting, uh, jobless claims is back in the spotlight, so to speak. Forecast to stick around roughly the same levels, but that will be out concurrently with GDP on Thursday morning. But jobless claims is where you want to be looking. Uh, Later that same morning, we have two other events, one of them pretty big. One of them is pending home sales, which can be another interesting look at what the housing market's doing. But then we have, uh, actually before pending sales, we have Fed Chair Powell at Jackson Hole giving a speech, and he may or may not be addressing stuff that came up in last week's Fed Minute. And the biggest uh, point of contention for markets was whether or not the Fed is considering yield curve control. In other words, setting a cap on longer term rates as opposed to explicitly controlling their own short term rate. And I think markets were perhaps thinking uh, a little bit too optimistically that the Fed was considering that. They poured quite a bit of cold water on it in the minutes and neither the stock nor the bond market seemed to like that too terribly much. Granted, mm-hmm. all that played out in sort of a narrow range, but Powell may say a bit more to address that. And I don't even know if he's taking a question and answer session right now prepared remarks may not be anything too interesting. Last but not least, the week finishes up with a core PCE, the Fed's preferred inflation metric. And it's expected to come up to 1.2 from 0.9, nowhere near the 2.0 target that they have. And they've said repeatedly due to this symmetric inflation target that they're willing to let it go well above 2% to sort of make up the lost time when inflation was lower. Uh, Nonetheless, I think when we see inflation move up faster than markets are expecting, it can tend to spook bond traders to some extent and could put some upward pressure on rates. But that will be the last significant piece of economic data for the week. And we're just hoping to see the bond market reinforce this nice little rally it had last week and make a case for confirming a ceiling in a longer term sideways range near record lows. Yeah. I'm going to be really interested to see what comes out of Jackson Hole. There's always interesting discussion. A lot of it is just like, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know. This one's going to be right. really interesting to see perspective, especially with all that's going on in the world today. My cousin lives on the hill that looks across right at the facility where this is at. It's really interesting. It's a great conference. Can you listen to it live? Because sometimes they've they've done like a telecast or something. That's the case this time? I- it depends on how high profile any given speaker is. I think the financial news networks tend to broadcast uh, several of the speeches live. That's what I thought. But I thought there was an app also that you could listen to the whole thing, register and listen to it pretty much live. So. Yeah, maybe. It lost a little bit of its luster after Bernanke abstained that one year. And some right. people were saying it. Jackson Hole might not have the same street cred as a market mover that it used to. But I don't think you ever want to rule it out when the Fed share is saying anything anywhere. No, that's for sure. Especially this year. I like to get the thought leaders' thoughts on it. Sometimes I wonder if it's so much thought leadership. It's just echoing each other sometimes on that. But it's interesting. Pay attention to 
good. We're going to be watching that. Matt, do a great job. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. So grateful for you. And I'm also extremely grateful for your mbslive.net service. Check it out, folks. And if you go out there and use in the sign-up code, LOL, for looking on lending, you get an extended trial and no credit card is required. Check it out, though. It's really good. So many people have told me they're so grateful to me to making them aware of this fabulous service. I have it on all full-time, all the time, on my screen behind me and looking at it constantly throughout the day. So good job, Matt. Appreciate you. Thanks, Dave. Normally, we'd run over to Alice Alvey, but unfortunately, one of her coworkers had some things they had to deal with, and so Alice had to jump into some meetings. She's not going to be able to be here with us, nor is Alan Pollock. We wish them both a great day and week, but Andy Shell is here, Dr. Andy Shell, the prophet doctor. Good to have you with us. Andy, looking? How are you doing? Well, I hate that Alan and Alice are gone today, but the good news is it means that we get to chat more. No, not really. <laughs> we want to hear what Steve has to say. You, Steve, and I have something in common. We always have to spell our last name. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to talk about where does money for a mortgage loan come from? That's what I I was talking with some folks this weekend about. How does a mortgage company have money? Because if you walk into a mortgage bank, there's no teller line. You don't have a checking Mm -hmm. account. There's no deposits. How does a mortgage bank have money when it doesn't have any money? How does it get money? There's no deposit. So where does the money come from for a mortgage loan? And the answer is mortgage companies borrow money from commercial banks. So an FDIC-insured depository commercial bank that actually has deposits will provide a revolving and secured line of credit, also known as a warehouse line or warehouse line of credit to the mortgage company. So the mortgage company creates this debtor relationship with the commercial bank. So the commercial bank lends money to the mortgage bank. The mortgage bank then lends money to the consumer. So this relationship, though, is is truly a debtor-creditor relationship with all of the challenges and opportunities that come along with that. So that the FDIC bank has to make the credit decision to make a loan to the mortgage company. And the amount of money that they'll lend is capped based on a number of factors. So the the first decision is the, the FDIC bank looks at the mortgage company's operations to determine how effective they are in having their loans sold and purchased. So they'll look at the investor scorecard. They're also going to look at the financial statements of the mortgage company to determine how much money they can lend them. They'll also look at the profit performance and the liquidity, how much cash does the mortgage company hold in its company. All these are factors that the FDIC bank looks at in order to make a credit decision to lend money to the mortgage company. And once that relationship is established, the mortgage company opens up a checking account at the warehouse bank. So if you want to have a bunch of additional warehouse line banks, every time you do that, you're going to have to open up more checking accounts. They're going to have transaction flow going through them. It also means that every time you add a new warehouse line lender, you got to go through the entire credit approval process, which if you're owned by several individuals, it means credit reports are going to be pulled on the owners. It also means that every single warehouse line lender wants to know how much all the other lenders are lending you because they all want to understand their aggregate exposure. How much does all the warehouse line lenders together lending you? And what happens when you need more money? You have to go back to the warehouse bank and ask for more line extension or what we call a bulb. How does it work? Go ahead. Absolutely, Dave. So how it works. So you got this warehouse line relationship established. So the mortgage company's got a loan that it wants to close. So the mortgage company needs money because the mortgage company doesn't have any money. So the mortgage company sends the funding request 
to the warehouse line lender bank. Now this funding request is going to show all the calculations that get to the net wire amount, the note rate, the fees, the interest, all the pieces, the net wire. And it's also going to say where you're going to send the money. It's going to identify the specific information about the loan. It's also going to be accompanied with other information about the loan. It might even include a copy of a appraisal value. It might include other elements. It might include the borrower's 1003. Different lenders have different rules and different warehouse lenders have different systems that they use to make it easier or sometimes harder to send them data so they can then make the loan because every single mortgage loan that's funded through a warehouse lender has a loan. Every single one. It's not like it's a bunch of them all at once. Every single one, one at a time. So the FDIC bank sends the funds to the title company for the loan closing. The escrow agent reviews the documents, reviews the closing instructions from the mortgage company and then closes the loan and that closing instructions from the mortgage company and the information from the warehouse bank is going to say, send the original note back to the warehouse line lender. So the loan's funded, the note goes to the warehouse line lender, the pile of paper of closed mortgage loan goes to the independent mortgage company. Now this is an accounting event because now we borrowed money and we created an asset. So now we've got a loan held for sale. We also have escrow liability that's happened now. So now that we have a closed loan, we borrowed money, we've got an asset, we want to have this thing purchased. So we're going to take all that information and send it to the investor because we want the investor to review it. Also behind the scenes, the FDIC bank is taking that note it got from the title company, and it is sending it under a Bailey letter to the investor. So that means the warehouse line lender needs to know who's going to be buying the loan. So the investor reviews the loan, and the investor purchases it. They decide that we're going to buy this loan. The investor sends the wire for the purchase to the warehouse line lender bank. The warehouse line lender bank gets the wire from the investor. The warehouse line lender will take out all their fees. The investor took out all their fees, and they're going to have a net deposit. One deposit is going to go into the mortgage company's checking account at the warehouse line bank. But it's net of the wires, net of other fees, net of all this other stuff. So the loan's now sold. We got our gain on sales in cash, but every penny of this funding wire is counted. We've sent the money to the, to the title company and all of that's going to be looked at and reconciled. And all of that counting everything to the penny happens every single time. Every single loan, this entire process occurs over and over and over. And it always has to be reconciled back to the penny. That's a lot of penny counting. There's a lot of detail. And this is done in the closing department, reconciling the CD and then requesting the funding amount. It's done in the accounting department. It's done in the post-closing and the shipping department, make sure all the pieces are fitting together. So just because the loan's clear to close and approved, there's still a ton of work to do on every single loan, every single time. It has to be balanced perfectly. So that's where money comes from. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Follow the money. Uh, one time long ago, you and I, when we were working together, did an amazing slide show. The slide that actually depicted that brilliantly. And I love that. So that's a good job. I helped in the bring together and make the warehouse facility happen at North Point Bank. We got another one out of the way we're building right now. So it's good to have those. That's good high level stuff. A lot of people don't know. Where does the money come from? Yeah, we're doing the same thing too, Dave. We're, we've got a couple of warehouse line lender review, build out kind of things happening. But in terms of this, where does stuff come from? I'm going to also in subsequent weeks talk about where does rates come from? Where does profit come from? There's more about how does mortgage company work? There's so much happening so fast and we're all looking forward so much about like what Matt was talking about, housing and the Fed days. Everybody's looking forward, but there's still a lot. Of, I mean, somebody's back there with a big broom. I mean, somebody's got to sweep all that stuff up and there's a ton 
to deal with when you deal with the details. Lots and lots of details. And it's always the devils and the details that can mess you up. So good job. Appreciate it, Andy. Appreciate you being here each and every week, sharing us your wisdom and knowledge. Love it. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, folks, that wraps up this week's mortgage market update. Next week, we've got Linda Bomar joining us. Excited to have Linda on. She's a dear, dear friend. Both her and her husband, Stanley, have been uh, friends for many, many years. And we're excited to have on Linda as the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing with, of course, Indicom Global Services. And we'll be uh, also having her joined with another one of their executives on automation. So be sure to come back for next week's podcast. Special thank you to all our sponsors, uh, Finastra being of course, one of our longstanding sponsors and Steve, and who is a part of the program today, Steve Hoke, as well as uh, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Accelerate, and Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility RE, Modex, and a lot more. Check them all out on our website. Folks, have a great day, and we look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.